You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death construction In the fields of bodies burning Machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World this week Broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite Listen to the Anarchist World this week Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse Listen to analysis of local, national, international events to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Well, 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 here we are. Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network, coming to you from the studios of 3CR in Melbourne. The uh, pod, it's, program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. If you've got any complaints, you Contact the producer, Kelly Whitworth. Don't contact me. But uh, if you've got any con- complaints about the content, well, then you contact me. But the quality of the program, not in terms of the content, but the technical quality, well, you contact Kelly. This, uh, my name's Joseph Toscano. Uh, anarchy, anarchos, without rulers... Very simple. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people? Inequalities in power and wealth. So what is the anarchist struggle? The anarchist struggle is to (coughs) share power through direct democratic means and to hold wealth in common. It's called common storehouse economics. You've got monetary economics, you've got barter, and you've got common storehouse economics to each according to their ability, to each according to their need. Now, the first thing is I'd like to give a Margaret Kelly update, especially for the Victorian listeners, but obviously it does have ramifications for people across the country because we are seeing uh, never-ending debate, in inverted commas, debate, you like that, in inverted commas, regarding housing affordability in this country. And we are seeing the destruction of the public housing sector, especially in Victoria, which leads the way, as usual, in terms of privatisation, and New South Wales, obviously to a lesser degree in other places. But the dilemma is, the dilemma is that we in Victoria face an exceptionally difficult task because the public housing sector has now been intertwined with the community housing sector, which is privately owned. And it's the government's uh, ambition, agenda, to privatise every every part of the public housing sector within the next decade. Currently, there's a little battle going on, just a tiny little battle, but this tiny little battle has actually highlighted the issue. Although we have been for years campaigning 
about defending and extending public housing through defend and extend public housing, public housing, everybody's business, and obviously a few other small groups have been doing the same thing. The fact is that 99.9% of the population and 99.9% of the organisations that are involved are very, are really unclear about what's going on. Now, Margaret Kelly's stand in the Barrack Beacon Estate in Port Melbourne has highlighted the issue to an increasing number of Victorians that there is a difference between public housing and community social affordable housing. Now, just to give you a, a thumbnail sketch of what's happened and where we are to date, or where Margaret is to date, and where the Defend and Extend public housing crews are up to date. Barrack Beacon Estate is in a very important residential area in Port Melbourne. It's very difficult to find any accommodation less than $2 million around that place. And the Barrack Beacon Estate was established in the 60s to provide public housing to people in need of housing. And for over two and a half you know, and Margaret Kelly had actually been living in the Barrack Beacon Estate for over 25 years. About 12, 15 months ago, the residents, the 289 residents in 89 apartments, were given vacation orders. No, they weren't going on vacation. They were to leave. And obviously, the Department of Housing, Fairness, Families, whatever they call themselves these days, you know, as long as, long as it sounds nice, um did all it could to force people out. And people were forced out. One by one, one by one, alternative accommodation was found. And they were forced out on the promise that they, that they would be able to return. But what is happening to the Barrack Beacon Estate? Well, the Barrack Beacon Estate has been handed over to the private sector, who have a 40, I think 40, 50 year lease. And what they will do is they are going to build 350 units, mainly one-bedroom units, on the area. 250 of these will be privately owned by the developer, which will be sold on the private marketplace. 100 units are earmarked for community housing, not public housing but community housing, which is privately owned and privately managed. Now, Margaret Kelly is not concerned about being relocated, although she is concerned about being relocated to a new area at the age of 68 after she's formed 25 years of relationships in the area. But her main issue is that she believed that the estate could have been redeveloped as public housing while the residents lived there. And with the assistance of a organisation, the office group, she was able to formulate a plan which was which is which is um, a plan which encourages people to retain public housing, repair public housing 
and reinvest in public housing. Because obviously part of the state government's agenda is to let public housing run into disrepair and then they've got a reason to demolish it. Currently, Margaret Kelly is waiting for a determination by VCAT regarding her eviction. And it's a very interesting case at VCAT because the case went back four times. It's been three weeks now since the first determination and we still actually haven't got a final determination by VCAT, which is quite extraordinary in these situations because usually eviction orders are given nilly-willy. The state government is so bloody cocky about its situation that it has started demolishing the Barrack Beacon estate around Margaret Kelly. That's right, demolishing it. A number of people who are attempted to occupy various empty apartments in the Barrack Beacon estate over the last 24 hours have been harassed and evicted. We've even seen doors smashed down. Okay? But obviously, because there's no VCAT determination, Margaret Kelly's little unit stands as a beacon. Now, they want us to think that this fight is finished. It's just a matter of days and it'll all be over and they'll, you know, they'll turf her out. But it hasn't finished. It hasn't even started. Now, we need your support in various ways. But I think one way, obviously, we don't have the physical ability. That's right. We don't have the physical ability to defeat them. We don't have the police. We don't have the trade unions at this stage. We don't have anybody. We don't have the, pro we don't have the community sector. We don't have the charities to support this particular little campaign. Retain, repair, reinvest public housing around Victoria. No, we don't. But what we do have is moral ascendancy in a period of profound housing crisis. Now, Margaret Kelly needs to be supported. She needs to be supported, and she can be supported in various ways. We need to show that we, that's right, you, me, the listeners, care about what is happening at the estate. I'm not asking to go down there and, you know, confront the police and private security and, you know, occupy. I'm asking you to do something a little bit different. And this is where we need your support. I'm asking you to go down there and visit Margaret. Bring flowers, bring a cake, bring some chocolates, bring a cup of coffee. Show these scum that we respect what she is doing and we respect her because of her involvement in the public housing struggle. Just go down there. The Barack Beacon Estate is at the corner of Barrack Road and the Boulevard in Port Melbourne. If you're not aware what that is, it's just past Station Pier. 
which I'm sure most people are aware of where that is, it's Station Pier in Port Melbourne. Just past Station Pier, you can't miss it because they they are slowly demolishing the buildings around her, although there hasn't even been a VCAT judgment. Now, tomorrow, that's the 13th, Thursday the 13th, Margaret Kelly will be with us on the steps of the Victorian Parliament House from midday to around 1pm to highlight the issue. But the following Thursday, that's the 20th, we need your feet on the ground. Not just at the Barrack Beacon Estate in terms of showing support for Margaret Kelly, but we need your feet on the ground for a protest which we'll be organising and we'll take in this issue. Irrespective of the VCAT decision, we'll take this issue back to 60 Longsdale Street, which is the home, that's right, of the Minister, Mr Colin Brooks, the Honourable Colin Brooks, who is responsible for carrying out this privatisation agenda. So that's the 20th midday steps of the Victorian Parliament House and then we'll go down to 60 Lonsdale Street. Now, but the thing is, ultimately, whether the retain, repair, reinvest philosophy gets ahead to a significant degree depends on you. It doesn't depend on me, it doesn't depend on Margaret Kelly, it doesn't depend on the brave people who are occupying or have attempted to occupy various empty units in the estate. It depends on you. And there's a few things I'm interested in you doing, if you can, if you can. One, a simple thing, go down to the estate. Margaret is still legally there. Go down to the estate, as many of you as possible. Go down, go up to her front door, knock on her door, bring her some flowers, bring her a cake, bring her some chocolate, bring her a bit of love. Because that's what she needs at the minute. In order for this campaign to continue. Because while VCAT has not made a decision, the state government is using bully tactics, private security firms, construction workers, who I am quite confident aren't even union members, to push Margaret Kelly out of the estate before there has been a legal judgment. Now, if there are any trade union members or former trade union members, especially members of the CFMEU, listening to this program. I want you to ring up, email or drop in to CFMEU headquarters and ask them what are they doing regarding the safety concerns on the estate? What are they doing regarding their members' actions on the estate? And whether they're willing to send a delegate down to check on the union membership of the people involved in the demolition.
and ultimately, why not put a green or black ban on the demolition of the estate until there is a VCAT decision, at least? Because this is not just about Margaret Kelly. It's not just about public housing. It's about the type of society we are, the type of society we'd like to be, and whether we are willing to stand up as trade unionists, as members of the community, whether we're older or young, to stand up to these bully tactics. Margaret isn't young. She's 68. She needs a mobility scooter to get around. She has health issues. And think of the courage that is required to continue to conduct this campaign, irrespective of the bully tactics that have been used currently in this regarding this particular issue. So the ball is in your court. You can do something, especially if you're a union member or a former member of a union, especially if you're a union member or a former member of the CFMEU. You can actually raise this issue with the leadership regarding the bona fides of the construction workers that are there currently and the company that is there currently pulling down the estate, whether there are any safety issues about what's happening currently. And if you're not a union member or a member of the CFMEU, go down to the Barrack Beacon Estate corner of Barrack Road and the Boulevard, just past Station Pier, and say hello to Margaret Kelly. She is legally holding that position, not just for herself, but for everybody. Not just people who require emergency public housing, not just people who can't access public housing, but this campaign is about each and every one of us and I don't think it takes much to go down and bring a cake but the important thing is we want to show the people that are involved in this we want to show the Minister that we have not forgotten Margaret Kelly's struggle and we will not continue and we will not forget that struggle so I've put the ball in your court whether you do anything about it is up to you but ultimately, don't complain at the end of the day if nothing happens. You listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. Robo-debt. Now, I'm going to concentrate on robo-debt, and I'll tell you why. For years, for years on this program, we talked about the state during the Morrison era and the Howard era how the state declared war on the most vulnerable elements in our society. And that's what the robo-debt crisis was about. It was a failure as the Royal Commissioner of State, and as we continued to state years before the bloody Royal Commissioner, 
of every level of society, from the Prime Minister and the Cabinet down to each and every one of us. Because the robo-debt fiasco was part of the culture wars. And the culture wars are not just about, you know, removing statues or denigrating First Nations people or denying the brutality of the colonisation process. The culture wars was about criminalising, ostracising, marginalising the one-third of the Australian population that relies and continues to rely on social security benefits to, the, to survive. The culture wars were part and parcel of the strategy of the Liberal National Party to retain power. And Bill Shorten's um, loss during the previous federal election the kill was directly related to the Kill Bill campaign which was based on lies, information and more importantly declaring war on people on social security benefits. One third of Australians who were described as customers, leaners, dull bludgers, criminals and a half a million people half a million Australians, which means this would directly impact, obviously, on their children and partners. You're looking at about 2.5, maybe 10% of the Australian population was put under the microscope through illegal means. Illegal means. Not unconstitutional, but illegal means which we as a community accepted because we accepted the premise that people on social security are leaners they're crooks they're criminals they don't deserve to be on it and we allowed this mentality to grow and grow and grow over decades. And then this mentality, which had been created in the community, was then weaponized to be used as a mechanism via which to ensure that Liberal National Party governments, which are basically subservient to 100% to the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, continue to be re-elected on that basis of, of creating odium and hatred towards the most vulnerable members of our society. I'm not saying people don't fiddle the books. People obviously fiddle the books. But in comparison to corporate capitalism, in comparison to the extraordinary profits that have been made for major shareholders by corporations currently, 
in comparison to the corporate welfare. And corporate welfare is not just about having a super highway to the Treasury, as we've seen with the privatisation of the aged care sector, early childhood sector, and to a lesser degree, the National Disability Insurance Scheme. It's much more. It's about having the ear of parliamentarians and having legislation passed which legally minimises taxes, which ensures that shareholders have an advantage over wage earners, and the list goes on and on. That's corporate welfare. It comes in many, many ways. But again, instead of concentrating on who the real leaners are, who the exploiters are, they decided to engineer, that's right, engineer an illegal program to steal money from the most vulnerable in our society. And I don't just blame Mr Morrison and his cabinet. I blame us. I blame the media, especially the Murdoch media, which ran articles and news and television, pro and the list goes on and on, day after day after day after day after day about the rotting of the social security system by vulnerable people and the wonderful, wonderful articles about how robo-debt was such a magnificent mechanism by which to, you know, take money back from these criminals, these leaners, these bludgers, these dull bludgers. Just go, I mean, things don't just happen. They happen because Nazi Germany didn't just happen overnight. It happened gradually, over a period of time. That hatred that was part and parcel of that political ideology didn't happen overnight. It happened over decades. It's the same with the robo-debt. The robo-debt scheme was able to be implemented, accepted, lauded, because we as a community believed the propaganda that people on Social Security benefits are bludgers on society, they're leaners, they're criminals. We marginalised them. They weren't part of our community. They were the other, the other. And we saw this, not only did we see this in the media, we saw it in the bureaucracy. And why have we seen this in the public service? Let's not forget. Let's not forget it was the privatisation of the public service, the federal and state public service, and we see the same, same philosophical and ideological basis, you know, with the Andrews-led Labor government in inverted commas, the alternative Liberal Party, regarding the public housing, the Margaret Kelly saga, we see the same thing, the acceptance by us as a society that what the government is doing is good. That's simple. And what, would, what did we see? We saw the upper 
echelons of the public service become ideologues. They are appointed by political parties who wanted their particular ideological position to take precedence over reality. And then we saw with those appointments that public servants with ethics, morals, who questioned the situation were marginalised and ostracised. So we saw this rot, and it is rot, right through the apple. Right through the apple. And we are seeing the same rot in the Margaret Kelly public housing fiasco at a state level in Victoria. And this is part of their culture wars. And what they mean by culture wars, wars on those most vulnerable in our society and licking the ass of the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. We hear the... It's just an extraordinary situation. Now, those of you who uh, take an interest in royal commissions in this country, and a lot of people say, oh, royal commissions, they're just a waste of money. Well, let's look at this. Let's look at the last few years, the royal commissions that governments have been forced to undertake. Because it's only public pressure which forces governments to undertake royal commissions. The Royal Commission into Aged Care came up with some of the most damning findings you could imagine. The Royal Commission into Veterans Suicide, which has just concluded, once again brought up some of the most damning evidence you can imagine. The Royal Commission into the banking sector highlighted the inhumane policies which were being used by the Australian financial sector to augment their profits at the expense of their customers. That's right, and their staff. And let's not forget customers and staff. That's how you maximise profits. Obviously, the Royal Commission into the robo-debt has highlighted how rotten the system is, how disgusting it is, and how we, as a society, have been complicit in creating the climate which allows government to indulge in these fantasies, in these ideological fantasies. They're nothing more than ideological wet dreams where you try to change reality to suit your, you know, your particular biases and prejudices regarding people. Think about it. Robo-debt. Let's go back. Due process. You know what the word due process means? It means, you know, there are things, 
steps you take to protect yourself. You know, you've been, you know, you've been accused of something. You take steps. Now, I'm sure all those people that are named, the bureaucrats and the politicians that are named in the seal section of the robo-debt royal commission will have the money and resources and backing to ensure they have due process, that they will go through the, the court processes or the investigative processes and they'll, have, and they'll be given every opportunity to declare their innocence. Did anybody, anybody who was given a robo-debt had the opportunity to go through due process? I mean, everything was put on its head. You had to prove your innocence. They don't have to prove you were guilty. You had to prove you're innocent. The state, the government, the federal government, one of the most powerful institutions in the country, says, you owe us money. You prove you don't owe me money. And obviously, people were petrified. Petrified. And people became anxious. People took their own lives unnecessarily because of this illegal, you know, this illegal process. Totally illegal. The thing about the Banking Royal Commission, not one bloody banker was charged with anything. The thing about the Aged Care Royal Commission, not one bloody anybody was charged with anything. The thing about the institutional institutional sex abuse royal commission very few people very few people in high places paid any consequence let's hope that the findings these findings are prosecuted to the greatest extent now one thing about bill shorten is he remembers he knows he lost the unwinnable election to Morrison because of the lies and the prejudices and the misinformation and disinformation which was part and parcel of that election. And one of the major features of that election was that the Morrison-led government would, would stamp out, stamp out corruption in the social security system and the fact is they were the ones who were corrupt in the processes which were used and he remembers that and I've seen him turn the knife and let's hope that Mr Albanese he doesn't tap Mr Shorten on the shoulder and tell him to quieten it because every Australian needs to know the moral and ethical bankruptcy of the Morrison-led Liberal National Party and the current Liberal National Party. And if Albanese takes a step back and tries to rein in Shorten's uh, comments regarding robo-debt and the people involved, he has signed his own death warrant. You listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia of other community radio network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting 
Today's program, the program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. You can um, uh, you can access uh, YouTube channels, public interest before corporate interests. I've got about 300 YouTube presentations. I'm sure you won't listen to them all, but you can always go to it and look at look at some of the presentations to see uh, how we approach different issues. Another YouTube channel is josephtoscano.nam, where uh, the presentations are regarding radical Australian, forgotten moments in radical Australian history. Um, uh, lectures I've done there, uh, that material is up there. So, and obviously you've got uh, Defend and Extend Medicare, anarchismedia.org, um, you've got Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing, Everybody's Business, the list goes on and on. There are many stuff, but as I keep saying to you, there's really no point in doing any of this unless people are willing to take action. And a simple action, as I said before, if you're in Victoria, you remember the CFMEU, a former member, a trade unionist, ring up the CFMEU, drop in and see them, see what, the, what they're going to do about this Margaret Kelly fiasco. I mean, in many regards, what's happening to public housing in Victoria mirrors what's happened with the robo-debt uh, fiasco. All right, guess what? I've got some really exciting news for you. Really exciting news. The working poor in Australia are increasing dramatically. Isn't that wonderful? The biggest group, the working poor. What's a working poor? Well, in a capitalist society, private investment for private profit, are the working poor, are those who work but don't make enough money to meet their financial commitments. Simple. So then they have to rely on sources to ensure their children get enough to eat. Could you imagine that? Not only do we have one million children living in poverty in Australia, but we now have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of working poor, people who have to pay up to 50% of their income to keep a roof over their heads and then find enough money. People who are now using their credit cards and these pay schemes, you know, these, you know, to buy groceries. Hmm? Think about it. And especially, as we're seeing in Tasmania, where there is a current uh, investigation, how people in Tasmania, the working poor continues to expand. And for a huge, one of these big reasons, the Airbnb industry, as far as tourism is concerned, where homes are removed from the rental sector in order to be used for uh, tourism. Extraordinary. And obviously as Tasmania relies on tourism, its economy is dependent on tourism, with the increasing number of BMBs, people are finding that they just can't keep a roof over their heads. Although they're working. Could you imagine that? You're working and at the end of the week there's not enough money 
to actually pay for the basic necessities of life. And once again, we accept this as part and parcel of living in this country. We accept it. The richest country on the planet, full of natural resources which have been exploited by individuals and corporations which have been given licences by governments and they don't even pay tax and the tax they pay is basically voluntary and if you have an issue with the tax department I can assure you the tax department will not let go of you not let go of you. And the penalties which it imposes are quite extraordinary. But do we see the same due diligence when it comes to the corporate world? No. We never see the same due diligence. See, it's the same mentality which allowed robo-debt to not only flourish but be accepted as part and parcel of life in this country, despite, despite the protests. And how many years did it take? How long did it take before a Royal Commission was called? How long did it take? Just extraordinary. Now, I did mention the concept culture wars, which people seem to have forgotten. Well, we may have forgotten the culture wars, but unfortunately the Liberal National Party and, and it's the Murdochs of the world have not forgotten the culture wars. And it's fascinating. There's a referendum coming on The Voice soon. And if you look at the conservative reactionary media, both legacy media and social media, you would think... The voice is the only issue. Page after page, article after article, by racist elements in our society telling us what a horrible thing the voice will be. The fact that Indigenous people have the ability to influence Parliament. The fact that they'll be incorporated in the Australian Constitution. I mean, it's not a huge thing. It's a minimal reform. But it is a reform, and that's why I support it. But again, and why have they concentrated on the voice? Think about it. Why don't they concentrate on a growing inequality in this country? Why don't they concentrate on the working poor? Why have they dismissed the robo-debt Royal Commissioner's findings as not important? Why don't they ever talk about the one million children living in poverty in this country, a population of 25 million people? Why don't they ever talk about solutions to the rental crisis and the housing crisis based on increased public housing? You know why? Because they don't want you to look at this. Because it means that they could actually have to make a contribution to Australian society. It would mean they may have to pay taxes like the rest of us. 
it would mean they may have an ethical and moral responsibility, not just to their major shareholders, but to their customers and workers. And that's the issue. They love to concentrate on the voice. They love to stir the racist pot. They love to spread disinformation and misinformation regarding this forthcoming referendum, which is no big deal. No big deal. Obviously, if it's lost, it is a big deal. But in terms of the content, it is no big deal. That's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. Think about it. Royal Commission after Royal Commission after Royal Commission after Royal Commission highlights how the working poor, people on social security benefits and wage earners, and I'm talking about over 90% of the Australian population, are treated as cash cows, losers, people... The thing about living in Australia, if you obey the law, pay your taxes, work hard, you're considered to be a loser. If you're part of the investment class, you you know, you have disposable income so you can take advantage of this country's investment-friendly laws. If you're so a so-called celebrity, you know, if you're part of the 1% that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, you are a hero. You are a winner. Well, I'm afraid you're not a winner. And you'll never be a winner while there's programs like The Anarchist World This Week and while there's listeners to The Anarchist World This Week who are willing to take up the fight to you. Because that's the issue. See, RoboDebt highlighted a number of things. Not only did it highlight the moral and ethical bankruptcy of our Christian fundamentalist Prime Minister, Mr Morrison, and his cabinet, not only did it highlight that the government was willing to use illegal methods to criminalise, dehumanise, marginalise and ostracise the most vulnerable members of our community, not only did it show how the privatisation of the upper echelons of the public service were used to push their ideological wet dreams as far as, you know, leaners and bludgers, so-called leaners and bludgers in the society were concerned. But it also highlighted one other very important thing. The inability and unwillingness of the organisations that have been set up to protect Australians like the Ombudsman and the multitude of organisations that have been set up to protect Australians from the arbitrary exercise of state power, how they were missing in action. At every level of this society, we were missing its action. It's a little bit like after World War Two when German civilians were taken to the uh, concentration camps, they put their fingers on their noses and said, 
because of the smell, obviously. And they said, oh, we didn't know this was happening three kilometres from where we lived. What a load of bullshit. And it's the same with RoboDebt. We closed our eyes. We refused to see. We believe government could do no wrong. We were happy to go along with it because we had been conditioned as a society to believe it's only the 1% that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication and the 8% who are investors in our society who are the only worthwhile Australians. We forgot universal human values. We forgot that every human being has value, irrespective of their sexual preference, their gender, their race, the language they speak, the culture they come from, whether they're first Australians, whether they're immigrants, whether they were born here. We have forgotten as a society. And ultimately, in a democratic, well, in a parliamentary democracy, I won't call this a democratic society, in a parliamentary democracy, we are responsible. Things happen not overnight. They happen gradually. Look at our beloved Prime Minister, Mr Albanese, swanning around in Europe, going to Nazio. And I think myself... One step of a time is the diary of a war criminal. I'm not saying Mr Albanese is a war criminal. All I'm just saying is one step at a time. We had that heightened war, talk of war, the drums of war, again used by one of those ideologically driven public servants. The drums of war were beating. And everything we are doing currently as a nation highlights this, where we are trying to internationalise a support for the war. Not the current war in Ukraine and Russia, but a real war, a nuclear war. I know it sounds pathetic, it sounds overblown, but what I've learnt over years doing the anarchist world this week is a lot of the stuff we talk about does come to fruition. Because one step at a time, we're going to send a little plane to Germany, right, to observe things, you know, to provide information, sending tanks. And now we want NATO to establish an office in Japan, you know, to help the US of A in its existential fight against the Chinese Communist Party. It just goes on and on. One step at a time, we get dragged in. What we see is the preparation of the population to accept the, to accept the sacrifices of their children to ensure the status quo continues. Because are, are these wars about anything important? No. These are wars about God, king and country. Nothing seems to have changed. These are war about conquest, not about changes. For example, when returned servicemen and women came back after World War II, both in Australia and England, they said to themselves, what was all that about? 
Why did we sacrifice our friends? What for? And that's why Churchill was turfed out of office. And here in Australia, the sight of returned servicemen and women living in tent cities in this country because there wasn't enough housing for them was the impetus for the public housing sector. Think about it. What's war for? Is it to retain the status quo? Is it to ensure the 1% that own the means to reduction, distribution, exchange of communication continue to enjoy the high life at the expense of the population? Or is war about something else? Is it about redistributing wealth? Is it about changing the way decisions are made? Is it about changing political systems. Think about it. You never know what could go on in society. But the thing is, everything involves a small step. Nobody wakes up and says, well, today I'm going to gas 100,000 people and cremate them and then they'll be written out of the record. Nobody wakes up to that. But slowly we are dehumanised. And this is what my concern is. Whether it's robo-debt, whether it's public housing, whether it's the drive to create this war mentality in our country, it's one step at a time. And the only way to stop that is by saying enough is enough. So... We can't do everything, but we can do something. So if you are involved, if you're interested in the public housing saga in Victoria and you are living in Melbourne, get out to the Barrack Beacon Estate at the corner of Barrack Road and the Boulevard, just past Station Pier in Port Melbourne. Say hello to Margaret Kelly and her supporters down there. Bring them a cake, some chocolates, flowers never-ending visitors because the government wants to tough this out and they won't be able to tough it out we want never-ending visitors and if you're a and if you're a pub, if you're a, a unionist especially if you're a member of the CFMEU or a former member of the CFMEU ring up the CFMEU go down to their office email them have a chat tell them what are they doing about it Go down. They should be going, sending delegates down to check the union membership of the construction workers. They should be going down to check the safety issues. They should consider putting a ban on the future demolition of the Barrack Beacon Estate. Think about it. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. My name is Joseph Toscana. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. YouTube channels, Joseph Toscana, Nam. Public interests before corporate interests. Join public interests before corporate interests. Why not? Pipsy.net. Listen in to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. Minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events.
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.